TR Connections Radio presents. Welcome to the 15 Minute Mediator Podcast. My name is Nancy Gabriel, and I'm the owner of Mediation Around the Table. As a mediator, I help people in conflict come to their own resolution. I do this by facilitating conversations between the parties and asking questions that require them to actually listen to each other. Candidates for mediation are people who are more interested in coming up with solutions than they are in being right. If you think I might be of help to you in your situation, I encourage you to visit my website, mediationaroundthetable.com, and learn more about the services I've been providing to the Southern Nevada community since 2012. Thank you, and stay tuned for the podcast. Co-parenting is sort of a new 21st century term to describe the relationship between parents who are no longer a couple, but who still share their children. I'm a fanatic about respectful co-parenting. I spend a whole lot of time talking about this with my divorcing clients, and I tell them, while you may no longer be a couple, you're always going to be a family. So I urge them to set a good example for their kids. The reality is conflict exists. If your children can witness you communicating with your partner or soon-to-be ex about your respective positions and coming to a compromise so that they can see you resolving it, maybe even hugging it out, imagine what life skills you're teaching your kids. I ask my clients, do you know when your kids are listening? And the answer is always. Your actions are being closely watched by your kids and oftentimes mirrored by them. If you want them to evolve into successful adult relationships of their own, and if you want them to be good parents to your future grandchildren, be mindful of what they consider normal. My own parents had a specific style for resolving their marital conflicts. It was by bickering, and they bickered pretty much every day for the 64 years they were married. I thought that was what married people did. So when I got married for the first time at the tender age of 20, I bickered constantly with my husband. That is until it no longer worked for me and neither did the marriage. Let me reiterate here, I am no expert on parenting. What I'm pretty good at, if I do say so myself, is helping my divorce mediation clients to co-parent after divorce. It can be a slippery slope. That's for sure. It requires two people who are no longer together to be tied with one another forever. Some experts call co-parenting a chronic condition like diabetes or irritable bowel syndrome. I'd rather call co-parenting a do-over. The fact that the marriage didn't succeed doesn't mean that the co-parenting relationship will suffer the same fate. Successful co-parenting requires three things empathy, patience, and open communication. I'd like you to consider list, this list of things to do. Make a written commitment with your ex to openly communicate. I mean, literally write a one sentence contract and sign it. Stay positive, set an example. Agree on boundaries and guidelines. Kids need consistency in both households. Include your extended family, 
Grandparents, aunts and uncles on each side should all be on the same page as much as possible. And the most important do is keep your co-parent informed. Now, to balance this conversation, I'm going to ask you to consider a list of things not to do. Don't burden your kids about issues with your ex. Don't punish your ex by letting the kids get away with bad behavior at your house. Don't give in to guilt. Don't be an unbalanced parent, either always mean or always fun. And don't jump to conclusions about what's going on at the other household. The term co-parenting obviously means parenting together. So that means solving parenting problems together as well, which is why your agreement to communicate with each other is of vital importance. When problems come up, and they will, first off, identify them. Share your observations, not your judgments, your observations with your ex by showing your concern about your child. Exchange information about needs and priorities so that you're both on the same page. Then offer some thinking time to each other in order to explore possible solutions. The most critical part, offer thinking time. It gives you a little bit of space to breathe and evaluate your options. If you choose to take the high road with each other and put your kids' needs above your own habits and history, everybody wins. That's so important, I'm gonna say it again. If you choose to take the high road with each other and put your kids' needs above your own habits and history, everybody wins. And as I'm sure you can imagine in my divorce mediation practice, I've seen some not so good examples of co-parenting, but I'm not gonna dwell on that today. Instead, and ever the optimist that I am, I'd like to share with you some stellar examples of really good co-parenting after divorce. These examples have been taken directly from my client files, although I've changed the names to protect their confidentiality. First example, take Joel and Stephanie. By now they've been apart longer than they were together and they successfully co-parent their eight-year-old son. Joel has a new wife and a four-year-old daughter. Stephanie has a terrific boyfriend. The two families vacation together, go to Disneyland together, and even hang out at each other's houses for barbecues and sporting events. The half-siblings adore each other because they spend quality time together. This is kind of an unusual example, but I wanted to tell you about them to show that harmony is totally possible. Anna and Andrew are another example. Their relationship ended while Anna was pregnant with their baby girl. When Mia was a newborn, Andrew took Anna to court for custody and visitation orders. He wanted to keep the baby overnight, but Anna objected because she was breastfeeding. The judge sent them to mediation, and with my help, they worked out a compromise. These two co-parents have settled on an arrangement that puts their now three-year-old daughter's needs ahead of their own. As a result, Mia is a happy, well-adjusted toddler who knows she's loved and wanted. My last example is Jason and Lindsay. Their divorce resulted in the shared custody of two teenagers, and they were determined to stay on the same page with each other about parenting their daughter and parenting their son. Although they didn't always agree about their son's dating or their daughter driving, they periodically met for coffee without the kids and shared their parenting concerns to arrive at some mutual resolutions. 
Jason was the designated note taker. And at, after the meetings, he'd send Lindsay an email to make sure that their agreements were in writing. Hopefully these examples will provide you with some motivation or some inspiration to do better for the sake of your kids. If you're struggling with a co-parent or know someone who is, I have created what I call the Co-Parenting Bill of Rights. It's patterned after the first 10 amendments to the US Constitution. And I'm gonna read the Bill of Rights to you right now. <clears throat> we, the parents, in order to form a more perfect co-parenting relationship, establish justice for our children, ensure domestic tranquility, and promote the general welfare of the family, do hereby adopt the following Bill of Rights. First Amendment. We agree at all times to put our children first by attending to their psychological and physical well-being and safety. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. Second Amendment. We agree at all times to treat the other co-parent with respect. As I told you earlier, your kids are absorbing all of this. And if you're going to treat their dad with disrespect, they're going to treat their dad with disrespect. Not a good idea. Third Amendment. We agree at all times to communicate with each other so that we have consistent household rules for our children. Consistency is really important, especially when kids are being bounced back from one parent's house to the other. Uh, I've done family mediations where the kids just don't understand why they can bring their phones to the dinner table at mom's house, but they can at dad's, or why they have to be in bed at nine o'clock at dad's house, but they have no bedtime at mom's. So they pit the parents against each other and manipulate them. Consistency, therefore, is critical between the two households. Fourth Amendment, we agree at all times to be flexible with each other regarding visitation so that the best interests of our children will remain our priority. When I put together a parenting plan for divorcing couples, I have a very strict schedule of visitation, drop off at 3 p.m., pick up at 9 a.m., and that's what the court's like. But I always tell my parents, put your kids' needs first. This is a fallback position. If you're communicating with each other and you're putting your kids first, feel free to deviate from this schedule. And that's why it's really important to be flexible with each other regarding the schedule so that the kids maintain priority. Fifth Amendment. We agree at all times to be considerate with the other co-parents' time maintaining courtesy and punctuality to the best of our ability. I'm, I'm kind of a, a freak about being on time or at least maybe even a little bit early. I think it's courteous, I think it's respectful. And if you teach your kids that punctuality is not only important, but a virtue and a goal, they will see you being punctual at the drop off and pick up times with your co-parent and they will mimic that behavior in their lives. For Sixth Amendment, sorry, skipped one. We agree at all times that we will not speak negatively about each other, our friends, or our extended families in front of our children. If they hear you say, oh, your grandmother, blah, 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 or your Aunt Betty, blah, 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 they're going to adopt that same negativity and same disrespect. So make sure you don't do that. It's really important to stay positive in front of your children. Seventh Amendment. We agree at all times that we will not question our children about the personal life and activities of the other co-parent. 
Again, a no-brainer. You're divorced. You really don't have a right to know unless, of course, your children's safety is at issue. Eighth Amendment. We agree at all times that we will not have any sort of heated discussion in front of our children. Kids don't want to hear you argue. They don't need to be put in that position where they feel uncomfortable or frightened or awkward or anything. Keep your arguments or heated discussions with your ex private. Ninth Amendment. We agree at all times that we will not involve our children in adult issues concerning custody, child support, or any other legal matters. And that extends to financial matters as well. If your 12-year-old is concerned because you didn't get your child support payment this month and your rent's going to be late, that's not a kid's job to be concerned about the rent. A kid's job is to be a kid. So keep those matters, those legal matters, those financial matters away away from the children. And the 10th Amendment, we agree at all times that we will not make our children feel guilty nor test their loyalty about time spent with the other co-parent. Again, a no-brainer. Regardless of how you feel or whose fault you think the divorce is, your kids are going to love each parent in their own way for their own reasons. So Don't test their loyalty. Don't make them feel guilty if they spend an extra hour with their dad or they want to go to the mall to buy a Father's Day present or a Mother's Day present. Let them love the other parent because they're going to do it anyway. So that's the Co-Parenting Bill of Rights. If you'd like a copy of them, send me an email, nancy at mediationaroundthetable.com, and I'll send you a a copy of the Co-Parenting Bill of Rights that you can print out and hang on your refrigerator. And if you'd like to learn more about my mediation services, please also email me. I offer an initial consultation at no charge, and it would be an honor for me to be of help to you. I'll see you next month. Thank you so much.